0: For
1: in. The Sports Talk. Oh, thank you for tuning in to the 182nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting app you are listening to me via being recorded from Buffalo, New York. Groundbreaking news, right? So we're going to have sports coming up. Baseball's uh, baseball's already kind of started, so we have games going on in baseball. The NBA is going to start, uh, I believe, next week, so... The, the coverage in terms of what we do for the podcast is going to be a little bit different this because the last about month or two, it's been strictly football, but we're going to start getting into some other sports, and we're going to do that next week, probably. Uh, for our guests today, we're going to have Catherine Fitzgerald. She covers the Arizona Cardinals for the Arizona Central. Great interview. I really appreciate having her on. We delved into a lot of stuff. We talked about Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. We also got into... Arizona, how, how rookies are kind of adjusting with Corona going on, even Josh Rosen, who I think is really interesting case because, and I mentioned this when I had her on, but you have Sam Darnold in that class, you have Josh Allen, you have Lamar Jackson, and you have Baker Mayfield. And all four of those franchises have moved heaven and earth. The Bills, they are doing everything they can to make sure that Josh Allen is successful. That's why they got Stephon Diggs in there. You see with Sam Darnold, right? Right. At first, there's Todd Bowles. Then they move to an offensive-minded coach in Adam Gase. They're doing everything they can for Sam Darnold. You see Baker Mayfield. What did the Browns do? They get freaking Odell Beckham in there. The Browns are doing everything they can for Baker Mayfield. You also see Lamar Jackson, and the Baltimore Ravens are kind of the highest version of this where they change their whole offense. They go from Joe Flacco, who's kind of a pocket prototypical passer, to this running-based offense, where the quarterback runs at 20 times a game, and you have Josh Allen, who, uh, Josh, excuse me, Josh Rosen, whose team's kind of like, yeah, we'll take Kyler. See ya. So, I thought that was interesting, too, but really enjoyed having her on, and I really appreciate having Catherine on, and we're going to get to that interview and conversation kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk and we have a very special guest with us, Catherine Fitzgerald. She covers the Arizona Cardinals for the Arizona Central. How you doing, Catherine? I'm good, thanks. How
0: are you?
1: I'm doing good. Now, the first thing I do have to ask you. So, your last name is Fitzgerald, just like Larry Fitzgerald. Have you guys ever talked about that?
0: Yeah, it's always been pretty funny. He'll actually call me Fitzy. Um, I'll call him Fitz too, so it works out. But it was especially funny the first time I was out at training camp, um, and there were a bunch of fans out there, and I just hear people shouting like, just around, round, just turn around, and I was super confused until I was like, oh, they're obviously talking to a very notable player, not me. Um, but yeah, it was something we checked out pretty early on when I started covering the team, and it's, it's a fun um, overlap to have.
1: Did you guys Did you guys ever try to see if you had any family history? <laughs>
0: Sorry, say that again? Did you try
1: to see if you had any family history?
0: Uh, we haven't, but... Um, <laughs> always been supportive of
1: a fellow Fitzgerald, which is, you know, again, it's a fun thing to have in common. So the Arizona Cardinals, they draft Kyler Murray, Uh, and he has a very good year, very good year. I kind of want to just get your feeling on, what do you think now is kind of the expectations? Because a lot of people have been talking about, can he make that second year leap, similarly to how we saw Patrick Mahomes do in his second year, to how Lamar did his second year. What's kind of the expectation, and can he kind of make that type of jump to be an MVP candidate?
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of expectations on him um, to just make another jump. We even saw in a rookie season of just like week one to the end of the season of him getting so much more comfortable with that NFL speed um, and how, you know, he was going to factor his game into that. And so I think there was a lot of progression just in year one. And now having a second year, um, he works so well with Coach Cliff King's very beautiful. Um, I think that relationship is going to be a huge benefit to this team for years to come. Um, the one thing I'm interested to see is what how that kind of is affected in a season like this, where you know the off season was so different. Um, he's yeah. not getting that full off season in between to get all those reps with his teammates, um, and that's obviously something that's going to affect every team. But you know, I think it has a higher effect on. A quarterback going from year one to year two than a guy who's been with a franchise for a while. Um, and so I don't think that's necessarily going to mean he won't do as much this year, but I think maybe at the beginning it won't be quite as quick. Um, but I think he'll still make a big jump, um, particularly, you know, last year. He, he said a lot of facts, um, but you saw just, like, him getting smarter about them as the year went on. Um, he wasn't really getting... he wasn't having those like punishing sacks as much as just like you know he's scrambling and getting out of bounds um and so we saw so much just in year one of that you know a lot of stuff clicking for him and you know they still didn't finish with a particularly strong record but he looked so much better by the end of the year That i think the year one to year two jump yeah i think he'll benefit a lot from that
1: and you kind of mentioned now this has kind of been a little bit of a different and weird off season, kind of with the coronavirus, kind of stopping everything. So, like, what does he do? How does he kind of make sure he's staying sharp? I know he can probably work out on his own, but it just in terms of getting that chemistry with the receivers, like other players, like, like how does that work?
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be such a big storyline all this season. Um, obviously, the Cardinals in particular made that huge move of getting DeAndre Hopkins, and he and Kyler weren't able to... You know, be playing on the same field together until 6th July um, at a, a private workout in Dallas. And you know, Hopkins is an incredible player. He's going to be a huge asset to this team. But it definitely is happening in a weird year where there's not as much time to build that chemistry to the same level that an off season usually gets you of just like you know, learning your guys' tendencies. Um, I think. The Cardinals sound really confident in what they've done with their offseason program as far as, like, the virtual playbook, stuff like that. But there's only so much you can do just, like, looking at a game plan or watching film versus actually being on the field and putting it into practice. Um, so I'm interested to see what that is like, especially for a team like the Cardinals, where I think the last year was such a big change for them in bringing in Kingsbury and Kyler and kind of forming a new identity for the team if this is going to be a bigger speed bump for them versus a team that hasn't seen as much change. Um, And I think also for rookies across the league, um, that's so hard to just, you know, come into the NFL. That's a huge adjustment any year, but in a year like this where, again, you have all of that, those limitations from coronavirus, you know, all the teams are going through the same factors there has been pretty even that way. Um, But it's been interesting to talk to some of the rookies about like, you know, what's it like trying to get to know your new teammates, get to know a new city? Um, Even outside of just like strictly football itself, um, you know, so much of the offseason stuff is just getting to know who you're going to be playing with or like even things that aren't as big a deal in the long run of football stuff like finding a restaurant you like in a city you just moved to after getting drafted by a team like that's all been so different for these guys um and again that's not specific to the cardinals but i think that's just going to be such an ongoing storyline this year of how the rookies are specifically impacted by (laughs) having an incredibly different year on like anything anyone's ever
1: seen yeah and it's crazy you mentioned that too just because Right I know a couple of people like at the school I go to uh, it's Division three and like their kids that are like that got like undrafted, they couldn't get undrafted invitations because teams couldn't have pro days because of Corona. So, so I definitely get what you mean there.
0: Yeah, it, it has so many rippling effects on what it's gonna be like for players this year outside of just the like will the game start on time, what will happen if guys test positive? There's so many of those other things, too, of just, like, ways that impacts life for guys. Um, I was talking to one of the Cardinals, New guys guys, um, Jordan Phillips, was saying, like, he moved out to Arizona without looking at his house in person. <laughs> um, like, you know, you're moving to a new city, you're starting a new life, and you, it, Arizona in particular has been a hot spot, so these guys are hesitant to fly out here just to look at houses or, like, things like that before they move, you know, you're doing like a virtual tour and just being like, cool, hope it works. Um, And again, that's not, I don't think that particular scenario is going to have any effect on like a game result, but it's just so many things, you know, when your entire life is being changed for everyone in the world right now, um, those little things just feel a bit more significant of trying to get comfortable in a new city, and again, like, I don't think players are complaining about that by any means. I think they're understanding everything about it, but I think it's hard to look at football in a vacuum right now, personally, I feel, when there are things that are affecting these players off the field too. And obviously, they're professionals who know how to go about their job. Um, but you know, they're thinking about their families and other people they know, too, just, in every
1: decision they make and it's also too when you mentioned that like everybody it's really interesting when this nfl season is going to come up because the nfl necessarily really hasn't necessarily come together with a plan of how they're going to handle this whole COVID thing like maybe how like mls did with soccer like the nba did but what i kind of think is interesting is how's it going to work when the season comes and you so you're going to tell everybody especially younger guys like we're talking 22 to 25 year old guys you can't go out you can't party uh Stay clear from other people, social distance six feet, (laughs) how all that works.
0: Yeah, I think the one reason it'll probably be a bit easier for professional athletes is like, end of the day, they still want to win all these games. And so I think that's going to be like the bigger factor as far as public health is being like, you know, it's definitely, it's weird for everyone to be told like, okay, like, surprise, we don't go to... Bars, restaurants right now like personally it's been pretty rude for me but like <laughs> public health is important too so I get it um but I think there's the added layer for these guys of like well what if I go out and I get sick and then and then I can't play or then my teammates get sick or my family gets sick um because so much of their ability to do their job depends on their health um on top of of course just like not wanting to get sick generally, there is that, you know, that like on the field incentive of I need to stay healthy so that I can play. Um, And I think that is a big motivator too as far as guys wanting to make sure that they're safe and healthy, Um, you know, it leads a bit more naturally to following all those guidelines, that would feel.
1: So do you think they're gonna, when the season comes, do you think they're gonna test players? How often do you think they're going to test players? Because so I'd have to imagine that's eventually going to happen. They're going to have to, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I don't think that the league and the players in have finalized um, how often there will be testing. Um, and obviously, you know, maybe they start at a certain rate and it changes um, once the season starts. I think that's what's so unusual about all of this is how quickly things are changing. Yeah. Um, And a lot of that is good, like adapting to what people are learning about this virus and trying to be safer and understand all of the science behind it um but yeah i'm i'm glad i'm not having to make any of these decisions um and i know a lot of that is still up in the air even though training camp is approaching so quickly
1: so you kind of mentioned rookies adjusting to the nfl and i kind of want to talk about kyler because kyler's going into second year so When Kyler's in college, right, he he steps in for Baker Mayfield, has a great year, Heisman Trophy winning campaign, and he ends up being a guy that, I think some people were talking about being like a fifth round pick to, he's like 5'10", I don't know, how tall is he? Like, how tall is he? Like, 5?
0: Um, I think he's listed as 5'10", and there was what I thought was a funny debate about how tall is he exactly. I can say, personally, I'm 5'7", and he's taller than me, um, and like... Regardless, he's obviously made it work on the field. Um, but yeah, I think always, you know, any year leading up to the draft, those specific measurements, you know, seem like the biggest deal in the world, when really it hasn't had too much of an effect on him, I would
1: say. But I guess, how shocking was it for you? Because if you kind of look at past Arizona Cardinals quarterbacks, you're looking at Josh Rosen, who's like, what is he, six four? A guy like Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer's like 6'3", 6'4". and then you're kind of when you draft a quarterback, you're staking they're staking their jobs on a guy that's like five ten, right? So, how surprised were you that they actually took him?
0: Um, I think the whole year ended up being just like so surprising to me in the sense of I had only been covering the team for a year, and you know they switched their head coach, they switched their quarterback. Um, it was just such a wide being change that some of the smaller things or like the individual decisions got a little smaller and I think the reason that Tyler works so well specifically with this team is in large part because of Cliff Kingsbury um, Tyler is obviously a really talented player regardless but I don't think he would have necessarily been the number one pick if it weren't going to be going into a system like Kingsbury's and a team like the Cardinals um, and it just you know So it happened, magically, that, like, Cardinals had the number one pick that year, that was his year, they went all in on Kingsbury, um, so I think, you know, to kind of get back to the question, is that, when you look at what they did all together, um, and, you know, again, they had five wins last season, it's not like this was a magic bullet, and now this team's in the Super Bowl, but I think they're gonna keep building around that, um, and so just the fact that they went all in on this um it makes kind of each of those decisions make a little bit more sense but then the whole when you look at all of it you're like okay wow this is a huge change like the previous year they had Steve woke through you know they came up the room distance coaching and like their team identity was built around this or that and now you know they're going all in on tyler Murray. um so it's just kind of interesting to watch it from that perspective of like the team really flipping its identity
1: in just a matter of a few months. Now, you kind of mentioned both Steve Wilkes and Josh Rosen. Uh, that that was to me one of the most interesting things in the NFL when it was going on, is that after one year, you're basically getting rid of your head coach and your quarterback. I, I just want to kind of know, what do you think went into that? And do you think it was maybe a little bit too soon to do that? Or do you think it needed to be done?
0: Um. Yeah, it was really interesting to watch happen in real time, again, especially when it was just a year for each of those guys. Um, I think <laughs> there were so many problems across the team in the 2018 season that, I don't know, a year was a full enough time to evaluate either Rose or Rosen, but I think you look at where the team's at now with Kingsbury and Kyler, and like, I think it's going to work for them. Um, and so I think it's almost kind of like both of those things can be true where it was surprising to only, you know, have a head coach for a year. When it does take guys time to, like, you know, implement their playbook, to get guys who fit their system, whatnot, to have a rookie quarterback, you know, get kind of thrown in early in the season where they weren't planning to play him right away. They were going to go with Bradford for a bit and give them time. Like, those were surprising, but I don't think that made the decisions to go with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray wrong um, it's, again it was just like an all in and I I think they're going to make a jump this season and it's, if nothing else they're really exciting to watch um, and you add a guy like Deion Hopkins to the mix on top of what they were starting to build toward at the end of last year um, you know it seems like a lot of that stuff is going to gel really well for the team so I think kind of both things were true which is a weird thing to say when kind of a lot of Football analysis is more
1: black and white. Like yes, it's the very This was wrong, but I think it kind of worked out both ways there. Now with Josh Rosen, he's kind of I kind of feel bad for actually because if you really look at that class, it was Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Lamar Jackson. All four of those guys have kind of had their organizations go all in on them and have done the best to try to make them succeed. And Josh Rosen got kind of canned in an unceremoniously way more than I've seen a young quarterback have that. Do you think Josh Rosen will ever get his chance? And he's in Miami now, but with any team? Yeah, he's on a rough road for sure. Um, And
0: I think, too, like, outside of just specifically, you know, what he can or can't do on the field. I know personally I would feel pretty demoralized to have my first two years in the league going to teams and then either losing a ton or not actually playing. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I'm not an NFL quarterback, and maybe that's one of them. But I think that does take a pretty big mental toll on a player where particularly, like, these top picks and quarterbacks, like, they're used to winning. Um, You know, they were the guy coming up through, through wee and through high school and then even at college you know there's so much built around them and like to then get thrown into the NFL where like yeah especially some of the top picks like you're going to teams that were bad the year before and this is new territory and this is not specific to Rosen necessarily but just like I think that's a big adjustment mentally for so many players is being like okay like I was the top pick because I'm a great player, but now that means I'm going to have a rough couple of years as, like, this team tries to build towards something. Um, But, yeah, I I think the way it's been shaking out for him, um, I don't know what will happen next. Um, He was always entertaining to cover, but, you know, that team, nothing's translated to win for the 2018 team, and, you know, I think there were times where he was put in a hard position, but also there were times where he saw those rookie decisions, um, just kind of like trying to force things that led to interceptions that just like, you know, really hurt the team in a lot of ways, um, so I'm not sure, but it's definitely
1: a rough start um, for any player to have a path like that. No, no. You mentioned Josh Rosen was, was was entertaining to cover. What made Josh Rosen so entertaining? Um,
0: he was just he would joke a lot during press conferences. I would say we got like one pretty funny quote out of each one, and um, you know, he was just he had a lot of interest outside of football too, which was fun to just kind of like chat out outside of practice. Um, I think what's most <laughs> interesting is. He and Kyler are extremely different personality wise but I also find Kyler really fun to cover as well um, where Kyler is definitely more introverted he's more like he really loves football really loves video games but like doesn't you know have quite as many interests that at least he shares with us um, during press conferences versus like stuffers, and sometimes we would talk about the environment and stuff um, and it's So I think they're both entertaining to cover for different ways or different reasons. Excuse me. Um, yeah. And I think Tyler too, like he's quieter for sure, but he's got kind of a quirky sense of humor, um, that we would see more and more as the season went on. And so I think that'll also be a fun thing heading into year two of just like, you know, when we're covering these guys every day, week after week, just it's always fun to get to know them better. Um, and I think that's like also a big jump from, especially a rookie who comes into the league, um, in Kyler's case as well, where he was taking a lot of losses early on. <laughs> you're not necessarily going to open up as much when you're trying to make sure like you're doing everything you can on the field. Um, and so I think even just this offseason, we've seen him sharing a little bit more, and that's also just interesting to watch from like an off-the-field perspective.
1: Now, when you look at the relationship, you've kind of mentioned this a little bit—the relationship with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury's like, "I'm going all in on Kyler Murray. That is the guy." Can you just kind of describe that relationship a little bit more in depth? Yeah, I think they, I think
0: they click both on the field and off of it too. Where they're both kind of laid back in the sense of like, I think a good example is I know that put Kingsbury's meetings with the team like they're never longer than they have to be like he's not like abrupt or too short or anything but he's just kind of like to the point and I'm like all right we're done for the day cool um and I think they just kind of have a bit of an overlap there of like they know it needs to get done they're gonna take care of it and then like that's it let's go um and that of course is on top of you know just kind of Kyler Murray really fitting what Cliff is trying to build with his offense here um as far as like bringing some of that air raid to the NFL. Um, and this, you know, a lot of creativity, I think we didn't totally see that the first year as much as maybe we will in the future when just like you trying to get to know the players he's working with more college and NFL are obviously a little bit different. Um, but I think what's really important about Cliff is it does seem generally like he really listens to feedback from his players. Um, And I know, not specifically with Kyler, but more with the offensive line last year, you know, they would give him some feedback of, like, hey, this has been rough on us. Can we tweak this a bit? And King's very old. Listen to that and, like, adapt his play. Um, And I think he does that a lot, too, specifically with Kyler, where he really looks for that input of, like, what's working for you? What do you feel comfortable with? And that's important at any level, but especially for a rookie quarterback who's you know, becoming a big face of the team to build stuff around him, just, like, it leads to strong stuff on the field. But I think it has also led to that relationship of, like, they know that they're working together in this. It's not just, like, a King Berry tells Murray what to do if that's it. There's a back and forth there. Um, and, you know, they've known each other for years, so I think there's always going to be that benefit there, too. But, um, yeah, I think they gel really well together.
1: So what's their connection? Say
0: that again. What's their connection? Um, very tried to recruit him when he was in high school.
1: Oh, okay, oh okay, the the Texas tech, the Texas tech. No, the yeah. Texas A and M or A and M. Just get Texas connection. Uh, but yeah, you've known
0: Kyler since I uh, for years now. Um, and so we've both been familiar with his style play on the field but also like have seen him personally grow up a little bit, and there's just that added layer of not just, like, a am your coach and I'm telling you what's up. Um, it seems like a
1: really strong, you know, like, back and forth. So, the, a lot of teams are possibly, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, they're in the arguably the toughest division in football, right? You have the Rams. You have uh, the, the 49ers, who are just in the Super Bowl. You also have the Seahawks, who have Russell Wilson, right, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Where do you think the Cardinals stack up right now in that division, in terms of the hierarchy?
0: Yeah, it's, I think it's such a fascinating division to watch, um, especially, you know, a lot of them made strong moves this offseason, um, just as far as between the draft and bringing in new guys. Um, but I think, think they are going to be a lot more competitive this year. Um, You know, I think something that's always really interesting to watch is, like, even in years when they're bad, they'll still be, like, super competitive in those Seahawks games. Um, You know, the 49ers, too, I think you look at them, how 2018 they also had a really rough year, and they turned it around so quickly. Um, And that happens in the NFL so often. So, um, you know, I think it's still going to be a super competitive year for the NFC West, Um, but I think the Cardinals are definitely – going to be in the mix a lot more, um, which, you know, leads to really exciting games when they're just of such high caliber that also, you know, if the schedule goes as planned, you get to see them a few times a year. Um, so I think
1: that would be exciting. So what, what matchup are you most excited for? I don't know if you look at the schedule, what matchup are you most excited for uh, in in division with the, with the Cardinals? In the division? Yeah. Um,
0: I think it'll be fun to see them against the 49ers again this year um you know the Seahawks teams, like I said are always really interesting um the Rams specifically I know a lot has been made about similarities between Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury but I also see that a lot with Shanahan and Kingsbury and so I think those 49ers games um particularly when they're coming off of the year like last year will be uh, really fascinating to see what happens. And I think on like a more specific note, the Cardinals have struggled in the past um, with covering guys like Kittle. And so I think, you know, that'll be a good benchmark this year to see like defense. They improved on defense last year for sure, but it still was, you know, what hurt them a lot more than what they were working through on offense and, I think that'll be a true testament of as far as like have they solidified the defense
1: as being like how they do against guys like Chittle. Now, you also kinda mentioned their their defense improving. So in the draft they get Isaiah Simmons, kinda hybrid he he did a lot of things at Clemson. He was like a safety linebacker, he did it all. How do you kind of think he fits in with the Cardinals?
0: Yeah, I think he's you know, he has such a unique skill set, but I think that also kind of it's not what I was saying before of like what happens to rookies in a year like this, where they do ultimately want him to be really versatile and, you know, Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator has said like, maybe they're looking at him a bit more like a linebacker right now, but like it's still going to be based off game by game plans. Um, but I think that's so much harder to do with a rookie adjusting to the NFL during a season like this, where like he hasn't had as much time, um, during the off-season to, like, work through all those things. And that's not a knock on Isaiah Simmons at all. Um, you know, coach after coach from his college years has said how, like, he soaks in these game plans so quickly, no matter, like, what they're switching him from week to week. Um, so I think he's totally capable of, you know, learning a lot of stuff really quickly. But, again, that's something that I think is just going to be a big factor for all rookies as far as, like, <laughs> You know, the NFL is a big job from college, even for guys who are so talented. And I think if there are ways for them to kind of like streamline what they're throwing at him, maybe even just at the beginning of the season, since it is such a weird year, um, I think that'll maybe help down the road where, yeah, ultimately he's going to be a huge asset to them of just like having that versatility. Um, that'll be really exciting to watch, but it's. Again, I just think in a year like this, it makes
1: everything just a little weirder, um, I guess. So when you talk about like the rookies and they're, and they're adjusting, and you kind of mentioned the virtual playbook. Well, when I kind of think about it, it's like, is it like Zoom and then they have like a coach teaching them during the Zoom meeting? Or is it like they have like an iPad and it's really like a virtual playbook?
0: Yeah, the way they described it at first, it almost sounded like virtual reality, but that's <laughs> not what they were doing. <laughs> talk to you. But it would have, you know, that would have been funny for sure just to imagine, you know, guys, like, in an extra room at their house trying to, like, pretend to play. Um, but you know, they tried to make it pretty interactive for the Cardinals at least of, like, you know, going through some different um, things and, like, having guys call out their assignment and stuff like that and then doing a lot of situational stuff as much as we can and kind of that, like, I think they use Microsoft Teams, but, like, you know, you're sitting down and, like, watching film or something like that and then Joseph from time to time would be like okay well like what if this happened instead like what would you do and talking through those situations um, which you know I think that's probably as much as you can do during a time like this like you want to work through all that stuff and if you can't all be on the field together I guess that's as much as you can do without of course the great idea of virtual reality, playing football in a room by yourself, but also that could be dangerous if you forget where the walls are, because you get really into the zone. So, like, pros and cons.
1: (laughs) So, when is training camp going to start? Are they going to, how do you think they're going to do that, particularly in Arizona?
0: Um, I mean, that's what's kind of wild, is that they are scheduled for July 28th, but the league and the union are still going back and forth on a few things, um, you know, to make sure that this is going to work out okay and in different states too where um, you know, Arizona's been seeing a spike in cases lately and places like Texas and Florida where you've got multiple teams that are running into that too. So I think um that's such a a big factor in it also of like, you know, even if these states are scheduled right now, like what happens if in one state all of a sudden it's less safe to play versus um, somewhere else and I think the next couple of weeks, just seeing what happens there will be um, really interesting
1: to watch. Again, I'm glad that I'm not the one making decisions here. So with Larry Fitzgerald, he's like the ageless wonder. How <laughs> how much longer is he going to play? Because hasn't even kind of flirting with retirement for a, a little bit now? Like, How long do you think he's going to continue to play? Yeah,
0: it's his least favorite question for sure. He hates when we all start to ask him towards, like, you know, the latter half of the season, like, hey, what's up? Um, but, yeah, he's, he's been doing it for a while. I think he has been re-energized by playing with Tyler Murphy um, and under Cliff, he was very, very, you know, 2018 was a really taxing year. Um, even when they were losing, they were just also, like, really, really bad. Um, you know it wasn't like a bunch of close games that just were like oh, almost we're so close Um, I think 2018 was really hard on you know so many of these guys because of that added layer of it but last season you know I think he's still having a lot of fun and like obviously he still has the skill set to do it he has candidly said that he enjoyed not having OTAs this year and having a little bit of a physical break from you know that physical aspect of preparation um but I think that's the big thing is that like even in a season like last year where they weren't winning right away like he was enjoying it and that's what keeps guys around where like you know not to be too cliche but like if you're having fun um you know he's like playing with Kyler there's a kind of a youthful energy around the team right now and I think that helps him in a couple ways. One, he likes working with these younger guys um, and, like, again, likes the system that they're doing right now. And there's a lot of excitement, too, and that was all, again, before they kind of threw DeAndre Hopkins into the mix where, like, that's going to be huge for this team for so many ways, um, for so many reasons. And I think, you know, if that maybe needs a little less pressure on Larry Fitzgerald, but so maybe he stays on a bit longer. Um, it's kind of hard to say going into a season like this where there's so much up in the air, um, but I think definitely it was noticeable last season that, like, he was enjoying it, and I personally wasn't surprised when he decided um, to do another year just given how much you could see that both in practice and in interacting with other players of, like,
1: Having fun again. Now, Larry Fitzgerald is regarded as like one of just the good dudes in the NFL. Like, and, and there's always kind of like the stereotype and stigma around wide receivers, like the diva wide receiver that always asks for the ball. I know that's kind of like you know Antonio Brown, even though he has a lot of issues. But people kind of label all receivers like that, like Terrell Owens. You know, kind of just and everybody seems to love Larry. You, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing. Like he's one guy. Like. approval rating. Just, like, talk about the type of guy Larry is.
0: Yeah, I think he's done so much in the community here. Um, And, like, he's known around the league for that, for his involvement of stuff outside of football. Um, And, you know, a lot of it is, like, working with nonprofits and different charities to help those causes. But I think, too, like, you know, he took a class at Harvard, and he like to do photography in Iceland when he travels for the off-season and he's interested in this and that. He's made a lot of connections outside of football. And I think, one, it's healthy for all of us to have things we enjoy outside of our job. Um, But I think just kind of, you know, he's really interesting in that sense of, like, being so curious about so many different things and using his platform at football both to, again, help with a lot of specifics Causes and events and shine items and on some positive things happening in the community, but also just like, to get involved with things that interest him. Um, and I think people are definitely drawn to that. Um, and, you know, I think, too, like, he spent his whole career in Arizona. I think people, you know, he's just had so much time to deepen his connections in the greater Phoenix community from that. So, um, like, yeah, this whole state adores him, but I think we wide too. You know like you said people people really like larry and it comes from so much of that stuff again on top of you know being like setting team records being among all-time leaders in so many different statistical categories like he's backed up all of that stuff that he does on the field with being really involved outside of it too um and i think people really latch on to that
1: Like, just his interaction with his teammates, I have to imagine there's tremendous respect with him and his teammates. Like, he's, like, the OG. Like, he's, like, the guy in the locker
0: room. Yeah, and I think, too, especially on a team like this where there are so many young guys, like, it's so important to have veterans like a Larry Fitzgerald who can talk about things outside of the game itself, too, as far as, like, oh, like, here's what you should know about the business side of things or, like here's something you probably didn't realize about like how the league works and stuff like that. Um, And I know like the wide receiver room in particular, you know, there's a lot of really close connections there, but I think he has made it a point to try to make those connections across the team. Like, again, there's so many aspects of being an NFL player that happen off the field. And that education for younger guys usually comes from older guys in the locker room. So those, those relationships just become so significant.
1: Now, the Cardinals, when you mentioned the wide receiver room, they're going to have DeAndre Hopkins. They make the trade for him. How big of a role do you think he's going to play in Kyler Murray taking a step?
0: Oh, if I think I'm Kyler Murray and I'm looking down the field and having all those options, like, I'm super excited. Um, I think it's going to be really huge for Murray. Um, he, you know, he starts before in the pass about. He's compared Larry Fitzgerald to, like, a security blanket someone who he knows he can always, like, look up and find and, like, things will work out and it'll be great. And then you add a guy like DeAndre Hopkins to the mix, who, you know, just to have so many options there, um, especially for a younger guy like Tyler, that's huge. Um, so I think it'll be, you know, this offense is going to be really fun to watch. Um, so I think... It'll just kind of be a matter of how they use everyone, and again, like how quickly everyone gets. Again, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, a player of his caliber, it's not like he needs a long time to get to know people to be productive and to put up the stats that he does. So um, I don't think there's going to be a tick up there. I think it's more just going to be like it'll get so much stronger as they go on.
1: So. Since you've been covering the Cardinals, what's like your favorite story that you have? Like like a, a funny moment.
0: Ooh. Um that's tough. I think they there's a lot of guys in the team who are really funny too. Um Chase Edmonds, one of their running backs, I think he'll get some of the funniest quotes where um he came into the the first year that I was covering the team as well. And I remember just talking about like hey what are some of the things that like their older guys are making the rookies do um you know as like during training camp um and he'll just always get very candid and goofy answers about how you know like oh I have to like pick up burritos from all of these players like they gave me gummy bears back in return so like honestly it's totally worth it like you know this guy's my dog now he gave me free gummy bears I like that's the nicest thing anyone could do for me um yeah, I really enjoy talking about Camy with the players. So I think kind of those smaller moments of getting to know guys, especially when they're newer to the team, um, leads to a lot of really funny stuff there. Um, especially with guys like Chase, who are really, again, just funny. Um, I think those are the parts of the team that, even if it excuse me, even if it's a tougher season for them, like it was for 2018, like don't lose that aspect of it um, guys are still open to sharing a lot of those stories and that's
1: always fun okay Catherine, thank you for coming on the podcast i appreciate it
0: of course thank you so much for having me
1: and once again i want to thank katherine fitzgerald for coming on the show I really appreciate it and thank you everybody for tuning into this episode the 182nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk!
0: in the zone.